You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast. Podcast. Remember when this team was uncoachable and it didn't matter who was behind the bench? It didn't matter. Coaching didn't matter at all. It was this group never win ever. Never gonna to win. Do. Never. It had nothing to do with Jeff Ward. Come on. It was these players. Johnny Gaudreau, the guys you just put him in the fucking press box. That was the next move. Remember? You have you haven't tried everything. You haven't tried scratching him, you know. Oh, they've they've had six coaches. Yeah, they're all they've all been amateurs. <laughs> all of them. And look at what a difference coaching makes. And Daryl Sutter came into a shit show of a situation last season. It took a lot longer to turn around than we had hoped for. It's five games too long. Otherwise, you probably could have made the playoffs. The team that went to the finals, you could have been there instead of them, potentially. But Sutter has a chance. And look, he ended the season on this note saying, these guys will be prepared for training camp. Johnny Gaudreau leaves the season saying, yeah, well, you know, we actually have a date for training camp, so uh, that's new. I have a plan for my training, and I have to start on a certain date. Yeah, uh, that's never happened before. <laughs> the team actually looks good to start games? You haven't seen that since 1819. Two years of not knowing, not knowing if they'll show up, period, and not knowing when they'll show up. This team has looked great. Their first periods have been outstanding, have they not? Their first periods are the new third periods. Dude, how much what they outscored like even tonight and between Washington and tonight, like seven, seven goals in the first period. Take that. Thank you. They gotta fix their second period, but hey, they're learning how to play with the lead. Sutter after the Washington Capitals games says game says it's a process for a lot of these guys to learn how to play the right way. Yeah, and he was even talking about that after tonight, saying that, that's what that's what they're learning. They're learning to play the right way, is what he that, said again. That is what I want to hear when you're winning games. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah, keep perspective, man. Like, you know, sure, we lost five in a row, but uh, we just beat the, te- the best team in the division twice when uh, Toronto outchanced you like 72 to 14, and you somehow, because David Riddick played like a god, under Jeff Ward last season. I'll just trust the process. We've been using the same process for a year and a half. And uh, Jeff, Jeff, is we this don't a... need to improve the process. We just need to trust it. Jeff, is this the process that you are always referring to? No, no, that's it. Bingo. 
So is it? Uh, I don't. I don't want to say it. it's safe to say the season's turned around. Totally. Oh, keep perspective. It's totally turned around, baby. This is what I want to hear your coach saying after you win four straight. Still got a lot of things to work on. There's still a lot of process ironing out things these guys need to do. They haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Exactly. <laughs> you want to hear? We're working on it while you're winning games. They're not perfect by any means. You're winning games. And you're you're winning them in a sustainable fashion. Yes, right. Which is come nice. on, biggest difference. Sure, maybe not leading for what? What are we at now? We've led for how many hours? One hundred and fifty-six minutes. Maybe we won't be leading. Maybe that's not sustainable. Maintain a lead for the rest of the season, but the way that they're playing, I don't have the offensive metrics, but. It looks like I got this off Twitter. New Jersey posted the defensive me- metrics before the game started tonight. The Flames hot defense metrics. Here's some of the categories that the Flames find themselves top five in the league in. In, in slot passes against. They're fifth in the league. In rebound chances against. They're fifth in the league. In dump-in recoveries with exit, meaning the the D-man goes, and instead of standing behind the fucking net, waiting, waiting. Jeff Ward's going to hold you forever. Waiting for everybody, your team, the other team, everyone. Waiting for the fucking fans that are getting their seats. Waiting, just waiting. No. Running in to see you with his beer. We got to make sure before we break out. Let's go. You break the puck out. You don't wait. Dump in recoveries with exit, fourth in the league. Rush chances against. Just picture the last two seasons. How many, dude, last season? This this was many? a huge, huge problem last year. Like even the year before, I remember they were they were near the like 29th or 30th the year before in rush chances against and last year definitely near the bottom of the league. they couldn't defend worth shit off the rush like you saw you saw like mcdavid and the jets take teams who are really speedy and have a lot of skill up front exploit this to an insane degree last season just just like think back to last season how many fucking odd man rushes how many rush chances were you, were first the flames are first in the league ranked at allowing rush chances. Have you have you even seen a, a, a two? I've missed a little bit of the last two games, early starts. I don't get home till later. But have you even seen like an odd man rush this year against like a two on one? Not that I can think of. Maybe like there was overtime one. against Anaheim. Maybe there's a couple was, against Anaheim. Was the Ovechkin goal considered two on one? I guess maybe. But so, how do you like those metrics? How how would you like to see that? This is you know what's funny. You come out of 1819 and say, yeah, you know what? You saw what happened. I, I still cannot. I'm still blown. I probably will never stop talking about this. I'm sorry if you're sick of hearing it. The following season, once uh, uh, Warren officially replaces Peters, he's talking about the 1819 season like it was complete failure. He finished first in the West. The, the, the amount of records that this franchise and individual players made that season was unbelievable. It's like every three games, like, oh, shit, they, made, they set a new record. Oh, no, another record. Yet the following season, when Ward takes over, yeah, you saw what happened. You saw what happened when we, when we tried to be a scoring team. 
No, you didn't try. You were. Okay. So now what? You're going to focus on defense? Oh, let me get this straight. Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau, they're going to be getting all the D-zone starts now? You know it. This is And this is when the fall of Sean Monahan started. So, sure, there was injuries, injuries to add on to this, but um, there's definitely more going on to why Sean, Sean Monahan's career has completely fizzled out. But I bring it up again because it's funny how Jeff Ward could never do what Daryl Sutter is doing now. Could never do it. Well, and I think that's what we were for all the shit we get about like making fun of the Branson signing. The, the one thing we were happy about with tree living's acquisitions this off season were that they were for the purpose of building a team who was actually good at defense. Yeah. Bring in a coach instead of just saying you want to play defense and bringing a guy who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You bring in a coach who knows what he's doing and you bring in the personnel to support a system that is strong defensively. And that's what you've seen through, through six games. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because <laughs> look, four games is dick all. Yeah. It's yeah, literally dick totally. all. And all this means absolutely nothing unless you continue to build on it. Because if you just, if, if you just lose this ability to play this style of hockey that gives you these types of results, you lose that ability. And now you're back to, you know, up and down about below the 500 line, then none of this fucking matters at all. So we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but like we said, after game one, the way that these guys played against the Oilers, you'll take that all day long. Sure. They lose, they lose the special teams battle, but five on five, they dominated. You're going to take that loss. Game two comes around more of the same against the Ducks, yet because of our PSD, <laughs> we're still very, very concerned. Can this team actually hold a lead? We don't know. They haven't been able to do it for two seasons. What leads to what leads you to think they can now? You're starting to see it each game that they have this lead. They're better at playing with it. Have you not noticed that? They're in- incrementally getting better and better with it. That's where Daryl Sutter is talking about this process. Well, yeah, and you can kind of track it. Like you said, you can track it in real time. So you beat Detroit 3-0, but that second period was horrendous. And like we talked about, um, if that's Edmonton, you lose that game, right? So we were like, okay, this is all fine and good, but like that's the Oilers, you lose. Washington, talk about PTSD, 3-0. Oh, man, woohoo, we're rolling. And then they blow it in the second again. But then in the third period, like they did against Detroit, they shut it down. They shut it down really hard. and Because Washington even ties the game. Yeah. And, and so outside, outside of a 12 to 15-minute major lapse, which is better than a 20-minute lapse, which you had against Detroit, you played a pretty good game. Then against the Rangers, right? Same kind of thing. Great. I thought they played really great in the first period. Excellent first period. Pretty good first five minutes of the second. Same thing. Started to get away from them. But then they locked it the shit down. You kind of saw something a little similar tonight. So we've seen incremental improvement in, in this, like letting the game get away from you aspect. They threw this up there at the start of the game. It ends the same way. This team, the Calgary Flames have not trailed since the, the season over against the Oilers. They have not trailed because even when they lost to the Ducks, they lost in overtime. Blew it. They have not trailed. 
it's funny because what we were laughing about this, you sent, you sent me the text and say, remember at this time last year, it was the exact opposite under Jeff Ward. Yeah. Do you, re- I remember this specifically being a thing and we talked about it and I was way too lazy to go find it, but it was like, it was literally like for the first 10 games, the flames had led for like less than 10 minutes of the entire season. I'm like, that's totally true. Yeah. They were trailing. It was unbelievable. It was the exact same stat flipped reversed. And I am, look, you're getting some pretty phenomenal uh, individual performances here. We're going to break that down today. We've got three games to get to, but I'm chalking 99% of this under coaching. Absolutely. Because look at the preparation for each game, the beginning of each first period and the season as a whole. And man, if these guys are starting to click now, and they can continue to build, this team will have success this season. Well, yeah, and it's like I said, they're playing a sustainable brand of hockey where, okay, you you probably don't like the, the lapses in the second period where they're giving up, like, against the Rangers, they gave up, like, a ridiculous amount of high-danger scoring chances in the second. But it's been very consistent. There hasn't been, like, this wild swing game to game like we were so used to, right? Like you were saying, you don't know when they're going to show up, like, from shift to shift from period to period, from game to game, it's been pretty consistent. The met, the metrics have backed that up. I mean, they got eaten alive a little bit against the Rangers, like I said, in that second period. But, I mean, then you look at you look at individual players' uh, underlying numbers, and I think, like, one of the, one of the biggest signs of an effective system and, and a coach who knows what he's doing and a team playing as a group is, is that – pretty much across the board, the flames have pretty decent individual five on five metrics for like every skater, you know, from like Branson yeah. to Lindholm, from Manjapani to Lucic. It's, it's pretty, there's Zadorov is kind of the exception in all this, but I mean, across the board, everybody is on the same page so far. Yeah, that would mean that the team is playing well together as a unit, which is all you really want. I mean, if you look at playoff success, that's how it's done. Yeah, because again, all I keep thinking about is if these are these are playoff games. Like, and we'll get to the games individually, but like the Rangers game, right? Like after after that goal was scored, and you're like, oh shit, here we go. And then the Backlund line comes out, the Coleman line comes out, and puts like two monster shifts together. Oh. It's like that's the kind of shit that wins you playoff games. Hundred percent. Now, on the last podcast, we had been one, one, and one. And we straight out said, look, we're not really impressed. Obviously, you can take away a lot of things. But like I said earlier, it means dick all unless you start stringing it wins together and it makes it work for you. But having said what we said, if you now take a, we can take away the vacuum of the Oilers game because we've had a, a bigger sample size. We can take away the vacuum of the Anaheim game. This team has played some pretty darn good hockey. Since the since the time this season has started, yeah, totally. And I mean, like you said, we don't want to get like all crazy here. Wins are wins; they need wins. Um, but I think like they'll really be. I want. I want to see. I want to see what this looks like against next time you play Edmonton, right? Because you don't. You don't. Re- the kind of the good thing is like if you look at the flame strength of schedule, I think it is like. They actually have like one of the easiest schedules here to start the season. Like 
you look you, you look at who they who they've just played the Rangers, the Devils, you know, Detroit. And they still don't have a really big test until like when? Like maybe they play, I think they play Boston or the Islanders like in mid-November. But they don't play one of their rivals for a really long time. So there's going to be, we should know who this team is by the time they're playing the Oilers next. And that's when I'm going to be really fascinated. Yep. I mean, look, it's early on in the season. You, nobody knows who's good yet. Even teams that get off to a hot start, you still don't know. Right, like, has, it, has Buffalo even lost yet? Right. I mean, I think it's safe to say the Oilers are good. They're probably the best team we've played so far. We know Washington's a good team. Um, those are the two best teams we've played so far. And we dominated the Oilers 5-1-5, and we beat the Washington Capitals in overtime. Um, played pretty good hockey game. So you have Pittsburgh coming up. I th- it sounds like they might have Crosby back, but they're probably still a little shorthanded. No, totally. But you that's a winnable game. So my, why wouldn't you sweep the road trip? I'm going to be curious to see what happens. Regardless of what happens in Pittsburgh, this is a very successful road trip. Now you go back home for five games, a five-game road uh, homestand. To me, that's going to be really curious to see how they play because, I mean, they've, they've not been very good at home the last two seasons. No, and I mean, even I, I just keep thinking back to like Lucic, what he said, like after, <laughs> remember after the like week off they had, and they were like, oh, if we could, we, uh, you know what, we, we really couldn't turn it around after that. Couldn't uh, the figure first it out. Two weeks. Yeah. So again, like being a Flames fan, and you know what, I don't give a shit. Like people are like, oh, you can't ever be like, you've always got to have it in the back of your mind that it's like, hey is that bit of the flames that like tends to d- tends to dip for lack of a better term, right? Like let's say they're five, one and one heading home. Like, are they going to have a lull, you know, are they going to let that creep back in where they're like, yeah, we got this. We're totally good. And then they kind of stink for a few games and get back to that 500 level. I think if you're asking me that question and Jeff Ward's the coach, yeah, I don't feel confident one bit. But if you ask me that question, Daryl Sutter's the coach. Daryl Sutter's not gonna let anybody yeah. dip. Daryl oh, Sutter's no. not let. Yeah. No, nobody's nobody's allowed to dip. You dip, you see what happens, Zadarov. And that's the key. You don't right? play exactly details. It's all about the specifics. It's all about details. Like we said, odd man rushes. You seen those this year? Have you seen anyone turning the puck over like at the blue line? Not much. Not Very much. seldom. They're playing very sound, and it's um, it's funny because, I mean, you run Instagram, I run Twitter. I, I think game like during the game, those are two different very platforms or uh, very different platforms, yeah. right? I don't think uh, Instagram is is quite as real time interactive as Twitter is, um, but you're you're getting a temperature for for the fan base essentially, and. Um, People are getting excited. I just think that probably how Daryl breaks the season down is you break, you have to break it down in at least 10 game segments. And I think that we've played five games. We're four, one and one now after winning four straight. But let's just cool it until we see how the first 10 games fare out. Yeah. Because this is still a very small sample size. Um, you brought up the, the level of competition. However, did you see that stat that they threw out 
all the teams that they've played on this road trip are two or three or four games above 500. I think it's if true. they if they combined all the teams, it was they were like 10, two and two combined. So they're they're off to a good start, which would tell you they're playing decent hockey as well. But I mean, we managed to to pick apart those teams. So we managed to pick apart weaker teams, which again, for as yes. me as as I'm saying, like yeah, competition, competition. But in the past, right? How many times has that been a stumbling block for the Flames? Or it's like, okay, you need to beat New Jersey. Like, there's no excuse not to, and you lose to New Jersey. Not New Jersey. That's a bad example. They always beat New Jersey, but you know what I mean. Where they lose to lesser teams. Yeah. I guess they. Yeah, you're right. Um, now, if you're looking at storylines. One thing I want to bring up right now, we've seen Vladar twice, and he's won oh, both hell teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything seems to be going well. I don't want to say everything's going right because there's still a lot of aspects of their game that are left, you know, leaving to be much to be desired. But things are going well. Um, I like. I'm I'm shocked that we've seen Vladar oh, twice. Oh, dude, I'm blown away. Markstrom has started three games. Vladar has started two games. Um, and Vladar looks good. He looks solid. Yeah, he looks, he looks like a solid backup. He looks like a perfect backup. And, and I mean, the fact he played Washington, and I thought even though he got burned for three goals, nobody was – I don't put any of those goals on him. Like, the Capitals are a high-skill team. They take, yep. they take a lot of good shots. Um, that was and, baller of Brad to start him there, dude. Dude, uh, Totally. You know what? And like, that's the thing about <laughs> Daryl is that like, I know a lot of people like, and probably like correctly. So he gets labeled as an old school guy. He is, but I mean, everyone's like, Oh, he's going to play Mark from 70 games. It's just like, we've seen Vladar play twice already in the first six games this season. So he knows that's something that is very important this year is keeping Jacob Marks from last and keeping Jacob Marks from rested. Right. The other thing that stands out in on this road trip that, that Sutter has done is is leaving uh Yusuf Alamaki in the lineup. Yes. After after the first game of the road trip where he looked like ass and he's actually looked pretty damn good the last two games. Yeah, totally. Um because if that's Jeff Ward, who knows? Pantos Shit, to bro, out, yeah. <laughs> Pantos to outhouse baby. Everybody on Twitter was like, yeah, that's it for you. So he had a good run, I guess. So I guess we'll see him for a while. But no, uh, Sutter sticks with him, and I think he just played his, his best two games of the season. Oh, absolutely! I thought he was very good tonight. And I mean, again, props to D- like that's the thing. Daryl's thinking about fuck. He's like Bane, like I said in the last one. He's like, you think you're in charge, Brad, with your four million dollar defenseman? And he's sitting in the press box for three games, baby. I love how you're having all the success. We're four and zero without. Brad's prized free agent signing in the lineup. So that is very clear. And Daryl Sutter might be just that psycho that this is his point so that everybody knows this isn't because of Brad's offseason acquisitions. This is because of the head coaching right that we're seeing from Daryl. Well, and that's the other thing too, like outside of his door of every individual player, I don't think there's anybody you can look at and be like, wow, has that player been bad? Like you said, Val Mackey had a rough game against Washington, I thought. But I mean, everybody's played pretty well. Okay, before we get into kind of the deep dive on these games and looking more micro, there's one more macro thing I want to get to. 
because I mentioned the whole Twitter scape during tonight's game against the Devils. When you go, when we're, when we went up for nothing, I think the collective mind space of all Twitter uh, <laughs> flame fans was like, and probably everybody, but Instagram and everybody watching, but they're just like, what's going on? Is this, is this for real? What's happening? I don't get this. I'm confused. And I don't know. I'm still confused. I don't know what to think. Uh, I think we opened up with our most accurate guess at what's happening is that yes, this team is for real, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. They still have a lot of work to go, but you're seeing the foundation has been set, right? And maybe that's the bonus of we still missed the playoffs last season, but Daryl gets that bonus 20 games in before the start of this season to lay a bit of foundation so that it's, you're not taking that much time to get off the ground to start the season. I think that's what we're seeing. Um, fuck. I don't know. What's your take on it? Well, that's totally what we're seeing. And again, like we're going to have to, it's, it's not going to be four, nothing wins or four, nothing first periods all the time. And be and being on these four game winning streaks. Cause you got to remember this team is still going to struggle to score goals. Like Lindholm, if, if you delete, if you take away like three of their, their goals, we win probably two less games. This, this road trip, right? Like even Daryl said after the Washington game, he's like, I mean, we won, we played pretty good, but we can't like, you know, is Lindholm going to score three goals every night? No. So can't be having that. So we're seeing how they're going to win games. For the most part, which is that's that third line or whatever line it is, is yeah. your second line. I don't know. The it's line of whatever Backlund, it is, Backlund, Coleman, and Pitlick. Holy fuck, did they start to, to gel tonight? Well, even they started to gel against the Rangers in that yeah, third period. I even like they had some fantastic shifts against Washington, too. The only last point I want to make on this thing is this where, where, where are we? We're confused, right? I think part of the reason why everybody's confused is like, we don't know who this team is. We haven't known. Well, right. And that, that's the thing, right? Like we're all waiting for it to be, cause we've seen this. We haven't seen this before, but we've seen this before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where the, the, this happens, they play four games. They're winning. Like, it's like, Holy shit. The flames the other night, they scored four goals in the first period. Right. And then it's like, they suck for like 15 games. Right. So all we've known for the past two seasons is a Jekyll Hyde team. As much as we say, like the coach has this under control, there is that Jekyll and Hyde aspect that's always gonna, that's going to be in the back of our man, minds for a while. Yeah, when it was eighteen nineteen, you knew what to expect. You started to expect to win. You started to expect to see a lot of goals. If they went down, you started to expect them to come back. You kind of knew that this team, who this team was, right? Yeah, they were they were the comeback kids. Like that's that was the identity. Like they're never out of it. Yeah, it was like three nothing in a third period. I'd like let's go. It's all good. And then but win the past, five three. The past two seasons, mm-hmm. how many comebacks did they have? Dude, like does like again, game six in Dallas will forever be etched in every Flames fan's memory right now. Is that when Lynn Home can't clear it? And Lynn that well, that's the I should say the series, but game six is when they get up three nothing in the first period and then right. they score three goals and then numb nuts pulls Talbot. 
Oh boy. So, so I, I coming back to this, it's like, I think what we're seeing here on more of a macro thing, because listen, it's been talked about at nauseum in the media. We've always not loved the discussion about it, but I think what we are seeing is the actual shift in identity finally taking place. You're starting to see that. And totally. I think that's why we're sitting here as flames fans like, okay, well, what's happening? What is this? Who are, who are, who is this team? They're turning into something else, hopefully. And I think that's what's happening. You're starting to see a shift in identity um, all due to Daryl Sutter. 100% it's all due to Daryl Sutter. Obviously, the players, they play a part. They play a role. They have to buy in, and they're doing a good job of that. But Daryl Sutter is at the helm of this shift. Yeah, and we have to play the long game too, right? Because I was thinking about this because they mentioned this. It's like the Flames haven't um, – this is like the – they haven't won four games in a row since like two seasons ago. And it was right after the whole Bill Peters thing and Ward took over and they won seven straight. Right. Um, so we have to see this play out over the long term and see what this looks like nearer to the playoffs because they won seven games right after Jeff Ward took over and then uh, sucked for two and a half, a year and a half. So. Yeah. So let's, let's zoom out here and wait till they play 10 games, get 10 games into the belt. Yeah. But um, I wanted to throw this clip in here because this is Daryl Sutter after the Rangers game, I believe. And the, the identity question gets asked to him and here's what he says. What type of identity do you think you're building with this team? Well, I think coming off uh, last year, there's a couple of areas that were evident. I'm not sure about the identity where we're going, but two things that were really important to her that I picked up on her team right away was number one was conditioning and number two was was the speed of our team wasn't wasn't in a place that was that you could win in this league with. So I think our players did a good job this summer in terms of preparing better. And I think that we can play a little faster than we did. All right, conditioning and speed we talked about look, we already knew watching this team play under Jeff Ward. Fuck, was it so painful to watch? I mean, you knew they were out of shape. You knew they were playing so slow. There was that one night uh, that uh, was it, Chris Rastig, right? Hawking in Canada. It's like, <laughs> here's what's wrong with this team. They don't play with any speed. Look at their breakout. They're slowing the game down. They're slowing the game down. So for him to come out, uh, identify those, the team has already adjusted. They look, they don't look slow. Do they look slow? No, they're there. And it's not even just like team speed. It's that they are on moving pucks and moving the puck in all three zones. When the opposition has the puck, they're on it. Schilling has been a big part of that, man. Like, cool. This guy, no one moves the puck up the ice as quick as this guy does. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, he's been great. He, him and Tan have like great pairing. I mean, the other thing that we know Sutter has mentioned with regards to identity is clearing the clearing and protecting the front of the net. Which again, are you seeing that, you know, in those stats you were talking about earlier, um, rebound chances, yep. fifth in the league and slot pass chances, fifth in the league, protecting the front of the net. Now, obviously yeah. he's not just stressing. If a guy goes there, you hurt him. Or if a guy slashes the goal, you hurt him. No, you protect it so that you prevent scoring chances first and foremost. So, so they're seldom like, again, I think against the Rangers, they had a few of these shifts and that second period against Detroit a little bit for sure, but they haven't been getting like absolutely hemmed in their own. Like, you know, those long stretches yeah. where it's like, holy shit, are they going to start playing again or what? Like there's 4 million shots right in front of the net. 
Yep. So I really think that's what we're starting to see. Um, and I've it, honestly, God, if it was an amateur like Ward, I'd be freaking out because I would know that we're playing with a house of cards here. It's just a matter of time before it crumbles. But I know this guy has set an actual tried and true foundation that this team can continue to build on. I feel pretty damn optimistic right now, but I am checking my optimism at the scene. I'm curbing my optimism at the same time. Yeah, because I, it's yeah. We've been hurt too bad in the past. And again, this. like you got to remember, this this season is probably going to be like we've said before, a bit of a grind. There's probably going to be less ups and downs. It's not going to be like wild swings. So, uh, I'm assuming there's a there's there's going to be a few more stretches here where it's like the first two games, right? Where it's like, well, they played good, but they couldn't score. You know, so it's I think it's still going to be a pretty a pretty baseline season which is actually better for my emotional state than like yeah winning 18 games in a row and then sucking for 12 and I think that's the way a setter wants it right and I'm fine if if you're playing good hockey to start the season I'm fine with incremental game uh increases totally. throughout the rest of the season like totally the, that, that works for me well this is the best start they've had they've been off to in forever it seems right well they you see that stat they threw that other stat up there today did they since what since uh for the last 10 seasons (laughs) as far as winning percentage in the first uh 10 games of the season they're the bottom four yeah big surprise another week of the nfl season means another shot to win big at DraftKings sportsbook new customers can bet just one dollar on any nfl game and win a hundred bucks in free bets if either team scores a point if you are in Canada or a sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed as they have great daily fantasy sports options. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win 100 bucks in free bets if either team scores a point. Promo code is THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You gotta be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So this is a, quite a refreshment. Yeah. And again, for the great, for the small gripes, you're winning games right now and you're playing pretty okay. So I'll take that in the first six games of the season all day long. And by the way, Manji Apani and Elias Lindholm lead the league in scoring. Ovechkin tied them. Um, they each have seven goals each to lead the league. They have more Connor McDavid. More goals than Connor McDavid. So what's the over-under on Manji Pondi's uh, dollar figure for next year? Oh, man. Fucking 20 million at this point. <laughs> Scoring two goals a game. Fuck, man. They're going to really have to shit Sean Monahan cool. somehow, eh? Oh, it's going to be essential. And uh, maybe someone takes a flyer on Lucic. I don't know. But, like, how do you... Maybe Lucic retires. Room? Yeah, you would have to. Yeah. If if you wanted to do us a solid, eh? 
like how good is Manjipani? And like, it's funny to me that it's still like, oh, he's the breakout play. It's like Flames fans have known about this guy for two years. He's he's probably been the Flames' best player if you really want to get down to it on a game to game basis over the last three years. Man, he's good. I will once again give you props. When we started this podcast, I remember doing deep dives on everybody on the team. And um, this was before Monji Pony. I would say last season was his breakout season, was it not? Yeah, I would agree with that. Like he was dynamite in 1819. That that fourth line was probably one of the best lines in the league, Ryan Hathaway Monj. Um, but then the next season was really Monj's kind of like uh, coming out party. Well, and even probably, yeah, last year's the year where he really got attention. Well, especially playing in the, yeah, the, in the championship. Worlds. But from day one, man, I know you've been really, really high on Monge because you were pointing to all his underlying numbers. And I remember at the time I was like, look, I, I agree with you, but until he starts scoring goals, doesn't fucking matter what his underlyings are. But that has definitely translated the guy um, – it's he's he's our Connor Garland. That's that's the only way. Oh man, I love Connor Garland. By the way, holy shit! But I Byron Bader tweeted out today. Um, yeah. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago just to discuss the the Flames prospect pool. Byron says, according to his model, the only forward in his entire database that shares the same developmental pattern is, as Andrew Mangiapane is Mark Stone. So, and dude, like honestly, Mangiapane is one hundred percent trending in that direction of being that good. Well, I, I mean, don't even I, think that's an overstatement at all. And the guys doing it with 10 to 12 minutes of ice per night. Oh, gee, what? Yeah, that's one thing we got to talk about. That's very weird. I don't know what the shit's going on with that. Sure is making the most of it. Holy. Right. <sighs> Fuck, he's good. So I, good. I mean, the, 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 the goals he scored, the, like two of the goals he scored, like um, the, the turnover against the Rangers last night. And then the uh, just the little slot shot he had tonight in that rush, like not like grade A scoring chances, but holy shit, what a shot on both of those! Holy smokes, like it was just a rocket, dude. He had he's got four goals in the last two games. What's that stat? He hit now. What does he have now? Because he was there's in the last ten games. Oh he yeah, has, but like he has like how many goals in the last like sixteen games? Well, I think his last ten he has like fourteen goals. Jeez, cheese, dude. It's unbelievable. This is these. This is at the NHL level. <laughs> he's got. He's scoring. He has more goals per game. They're higher than one. Well, somebody posted Mitch Marner's like has like what one in his last fourteen. Bunny <laughs> has like twenty. It's unbelievable. You guys, a fucking freak, dude. A freak. So let's get into um, let's let's do the Devils game. It's the freshest. Right, it's gonna be at the top of everybody's mind. Um, five three win. We'll go through uh, the game scores. Lucci opens it up with a five hole, Ooh. little five hole snipe. He learned that how to how to score like that on Mike Smith, eh? Yeah, he's been practicing. He's had a lot of practice. That's Why? not the first. That's not the only time we'll mention Mike Smith <laughs> during the this game. But Mangiapane. What was his first goal? The snapshot. Which one was that? It was the it was the wrister. He scored one. so many. I'm having. Yeah, a hard time I know, right? Exactly. Like in 24 hours, he's got four. <laughs> it's like so which one am I thinking of? It was the one off the broken play, oh. kind of where he just like yeah, yeah. bites off how, three guys and just how is he out muscling? It? That guy's like twice his size. He's just like, dude, get off me! I'm a fire in this top shelf, dude. It 
it looked like it went off his stick or it took a weird kind of like it came off the stick weird. I mean, I think he got a bit lucky, but hey, you have to earn that luck. And he sure did. Well, yeah, he's earning that space, which is like not a lot of guys can do that. Yeah. Then uh, the other fucking beast of a goal scorer, Elias Lindholm, scores the third goal. Power play. Two for three on the power play tonight. Okay, again, I, I can't remember which goal was this. So this is Brassus Anderson had... blast one from way down. Oh, yeah, the tip. Yeah, the yeah. tip. Nice to see him get a power play goal, eh? And then Monji Pawnee with the breakaway goal. Fuck my God, that was sexy, dude. Listen, I, I know Dubé maybe hasn't had the on-ice impact results, but I'm really liking him at center. He just brings, like, more – he brings – I think it's as simple as that, that he brings – more speed up the middle. I think he still has a lot of work to do in terms of his consistency, like same old with Dubé, but I like him at center a lot more than I like him on the wing. I agree. And I think if you're hearkening back to this whole theory that we're throwing out there in terms of these guys are going through a process and they're going to keep building. I think Dubé is a prime example of somebody as an individual that as the season goes on, if he's still playing with Mon Giapani, he continued to better his game. And I don't know. I don't know if Brett Ritchie's just, just get Brett Ritchie off of there, dude. Like, what? so Brett Ritchie makes a play in that Jersey game. Do you see that where he actually makes a really great, like power move. He's got the puck in the right wing boards and he's, he's and again, like for, for how much we shit on Richie, he actually moves. Okay. For a big guy. And he, he like, who was it? The defenseman. I can't remember who it was, but he does this spin move and like fucking flattens the guy. And then if he just takes it to the net, he's literally all alone, but he just blows it by doing a Brett Ritchie shoot 400 miles wide. So he's like the guy who he has all the physical attributes that you'd want. Like, do you remember David Moss? Yep. You know, David Moss scored, David Moss scored like 20, like 20 goals one year. And he was actually a pretty good goal scorer, but he drove a lot of Flames fans fucking crazy because it was like he had all the skills, but it's maybe like kind of a chase on thing with these guys who have some size and some speed and some ability, but they cannot score to save their fucking lives. It's kind of like Backlund can't score if there's yeah. a yawning, if there's a yawning cage. <laughs> either it's uh, they've pulled the goalie and the net's empty, or the goalie the net is, is empty. Yeah, like how many? Like he can't hit a Yanni Cage. It's like Brett Ritchie is like the opposite of Happy Gilmore. (laughs) (laughs) He just cannot hit the net. So you you end the first period of four nothing, and you're just like, holy shit, um, this seems like a slam dunk. I don't know how you blow a four nothing lead. Everybody's feeling pretty comfortable. I think Jersey makes a four one. You're still feeling feeling okay, Matthew Kachuk. Left all alone. Great pass for Monahan on the half boards. I feel so bad for Monahan. I just feel I feel sad for the poor guy. Like Kelly's like, oh, you know who I feel good for is Sean Monahan. I'm like, man, this is poor Monahan. This is what he's become, eh? We're just like pity. We're giving him pity when he gets an assist. Let's uh no shit, eh? Let's let's spend a a, a brief moment on Monahan because I feel like he's getting better. Yeah, I for everybody. Um, myself included, I've been, have been ripping him, but he has been taking a brunt of the, like, what's with this guy. This guy sucks from the fan, from the fan base. 
I mean, and we talked about this in the last podcast, given all the circumstances, you have to give him more time. You got, you have to give him, you have to. The dude couldn't bend over last year. He couldn't walk. And he's even more so has to get up to speed from the team that's out of shape and doesn't know how to play fast under the two years of Jeff Ward because he was doing it while he was injured, right? Like he's used to playing even slower than the average amount of slow that this team played under. But if you look at the last three games, especially on this road trip, I think he's gotten better each game. You're starting to see some flashes where he's generating his own shit. I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to, you know, jerk Sutter off too hard on this podcast. (laughs) But why not, Deuce? The guy might be onto something. Like, I think he's getting, he knows what he's doing. He's getting Sean going. I, I'll ask you this because I did do a poll this morning asking people how many goals will Sean Monahan score this season? The number one answer, and this is 50% of the fan base, this is over just about 500 votes. 50% say between 10 to 15 goals. That's the lowest possible um, choice that was available. 32 say 15 to 20, 13 say 20 to 25, and 6% are smoking some good green, 25 <laughs> to 30. Where do you see him fitting in? I mean, it's just, is it not just a matter of time? This guy's a, this, this guy is just a pure goal scorer. If you want to describe Sean Monaghan as a hockey player, you say he's a pure goal scorer. Is it not just a matter of time till till he starts scoring goals, even if it does on the fourth line? Well, what did he have? He had a really good chance against the Rangers right in the slot. Um, he the thing is, like, he hasn't been shooting the puck very much. Like, I think he only has like six even strength shots this year. And he shot the puck a few more times tonight. So I don't know, like you said, I think last time is like, hey, like eight games, like hey, we've seen six games of Monahan. I don't know, like at the rate he's going with playing with Lucic and Lewis, like it very much could be in the 10 to 15 range. And maybe that's all, maybe that's all you can ask from him at this point. I don't even know, like Monaghan. Well, and you know what? Like it's easy to say things like this when it's win- when you're winning. When yeah. you're having trouble scoring goals and you're like losing two one, um, yeah. and it's like a game like the Anaheim game where it's like frustrating that you played well and you couldn't bury the stupid puck. That's when it's gonna be like imperative for him to start scoring goals. I think well, I, he's, I don't know. I think he's gonna be around the the fifteen. It's it's really 12, a weird one, man. Twelve to, to sixteen. But here's the other thing. The other way you can look at it is if the if. The top, whatever whatever it is, I don't know yeah. who the second line is. I really don't. I'd say the back on the line. Yeah. But <laughs> if if the top nine is looking is contributing the way they are. Yeah. And then Monahan starts scoring. Exactly. And then you're like, wow, he's the best fourth line center in the league. <laughs> which I would spade. be fine. Yeah. Which would be fine if you if he wasn't the highest paid at the same time. But I don't know. I kind of because we're winning and everything is going right, you kind yeah. of look at it in, a, in this in the lens of like, okay, Sutter knows what the fuck he's doing. But I really do think uh, Monaghan is a is a little personal project that Daryl Sutter is working on right now. 
Well, and you know, Daryl likes him. Like he's always spoke. I, I don't think ever other than the other night when he was like, he needs to get up to speed. But I mean, anytime I hear Daryl talking about him and I mean, you know how hard it is to get Daryl to talk like fondly about guys. Yeah. A guy who score a hatch is going to be like, yeah, I fucking suck tonight. I'm going to make right. him do some, I'm going to feed him to my pigs later. But I mean, like since day one, he's been very complimentary and very supportive of Monahan, you know, in, in pretty much every aspect. So I, I think Monahan, you're right. to me, he's still a weird one for me. I, I, I'm not uh, on either side of the fence yet. I'm still, to me, Monahan is still very much up in the air and how, if he might be able to bounce back or not, I'm not, I'm not writing him off yet. No, me neither. And honestly, they got to get him figured out on the power play to be perfectly honest is what needs to happen. Yeah. So uh, Chucky buries the game, puts it away. Had um, to get one for Keith. Oh, Keith, bro. Keith hit the friggin' treadmill, bud. Keith hit the fucking gym, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's it. That's a fall from like, do you remember prime Keith Kachuk? I grew up yeah. in the era where it was like he's like he's like a fucking man's man, eh? Just like fucking why isn't he just carrying a lumberjack or, or uh it, carrying like, an axe around him? With the him. glow like, down like, from Kachuk from Keith is just embarrassing. Like, do you think Paul Korea looks like that? Timu, how's Timo looking? Like, right? Like, holy shit. You'd think like, they're like 30 years apart if you saw them side by side today. Like Mike Medano, like all those stars. Like, geez, man, Keith, cool he's, it, bud. He's spending too much time with Brett Hall, eh? <laughs> <laughs> cool it, Keith. My God. So the, the Devils get a couple late ones. One's kind of a weird one uh, where Vladar loses his strap, comes off on his helmet. And if you're Vladar, bro, have you not watched NHL in the last four seasons? Just shake your fucking shake helmet your head, off. bud. If you're not wearing a helmet, the whistle is going to blow. That's that's what you do. If it's bothering you, shake it off. Have you seen Mike Smith do that on every shift? Have you seen Mike Smith's greasy-ass fucking hair? Hasn't cut his hair in five years? And he shakes it off, his, shakes his helmet off? Looks, do that. Like he, looks like he works at a truck stop in in Vagerville or something. <laughs> Vladar is keeping it nice and fresh, though, eh, the dude? So yeah, he good. looks good. They, so good. I was just gonna say, the Devils' uniforms are f- terrible. I didn't want to go down this road, but I just popped into my head. Like it looks like some candy cane, just bad design, really bad. Don't like it. All I know is when it comes to uniforms, <sighs> holy those white, shit, those white retros, dude. Oh man, like I have a hard time. Not those are the best. It's <laughs> un- no, I know. <laughs> no, I have a hard time not getting a boner from those. Like it's. It's unreal. Like I, I don't like. I'm not like obsessed with jerseys like a lot of weirdos are. But like every time you watch them, you're just like, Whew, "There's gonna be so uh, good." There's gonna be some offense taken to that last comment. I hope you know. Yeah, I know. Cool it on I, your jersey obsession, guys. <laughs> That's not me. Don't come at me on Twitter, everybody. This is not me. Hey, it's I brought me. up the jersey discussion, so talking on both sides of my mouth. So the um, top performers, let, let's let you take that away. That's your stat you like to post after the game, but um, somebody's trending up. Old Rast Daddy. And I mean, I think that is kind of a quiet thing, even quiet enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Rastus Anderson's actually playing pretty good hockey this season. He has the highest game score of all flames tonight. He gets the which goal. Is, 
which is he got a goal. I guess he got the assist. Yeah. I mean, usually when you're the highest game scorer, either you fucking have a shutout or you score two, three goals. But Rasmus Anderson does it very quietly, like you said. Well, he and I, I was curious to see how he was gonna play in both these games against speedier teams. Um, Rangers have a lot of speed. There was a few instances against the Rangers where he got exposed a little bit, but um, I've been pretty impressed with Matt Rasmussen's ability. He's been playing a ton. Like he led the team in ice again tonight, like twenty-three minutes, almost twenty-four minutes. Honestly, you love to see it, man. And we talk and, about yeah. this pressure cooker, right? Pressure, so pressure cooker, cooking, and boy, does it ever take a load off Chris Tanev, who like, man, that was our number one concern going into this season season was like how's that blue line going to respond like because it's going to be relying heavily on Tanev so being able to take a load off for Chris Tanev sure helps so spend a second on uh, Oliver Shillington because from from the eyeball test the fans are falling in love with him more and more let us know how his underlings have fared out in in the four games that he's played dude he's been great and I mean I think what is what is hilarious is it hilarious is it is it intriguing is it eye-opening like the difference between the numbers of because the beginning of the season a lot of people were like oh man tanev is like right like tanev and zadorov were getting creamed and it's like man tanev's numbers have not been good but you look at the difference between how how he's played with with shillington like it's been it's been night and day. So the stats not including tonight's game have been very positive for Shillington. He's fourth on this team and expected goals for percentage at 60.84 at five on five. Wow. He is rocking a 63 and everybody's Corsi numbers are pretty good. Cause that's the way Sutter plays. Yep. Um, but his possession numbers are third best on the team behind only Backlund and Coleman. He's been good, man. He's been really good. And I mean, even his shots for he's in the 70% and, percent in terms of his shot share and i mean like honestly like if you've watched him right like you know we can break down the numbers all we want but he's been good he's been in the rush he's been fast i'm sure he's made a few a few mistakes um a few bad penalties maybe a few stick infractions but i mean he has yeah. been so solid in a in a pretty much top slash second pairing role for a, guy that, for a guy that's played eight <laughs> NHL games in the last couple of <laughs> Well, seasons. the Flames posted today. Let's look at their post. Congratulations to Shillington on playing his 100th game. It's like it's been five years and he's only played 100 games. But yeah, Ken posted this this morning. It's like in four games, Tanev and Shillington have a 59.17 expected goals for percentage at five on five, as opposed to Zadorov and Tanev, two games, 25%. Wow. Whew. Wow. Big difference, huge difference, massive difference. And I mean, all like this is a predicament now, is it not? If you're Daryl Sutter and you know he does look at analytics, I don't know how much he stakes his roster on them, but you cannot deny that the pairing of Tanov and Shillington has been miles better than the pan when when Tanov was playing with miles better. With Zadorov. So now what do you do? You got Zadorov sitting in the press box. How much longer does he uh, sit in the press box while you have Gabranson playing and fucking amazing? He's starting to level off a bit, I know. Yeah, la- a r- l- rough last couple games for sure. And Val Mackey's looking better the last two games. He's in a predicament. What's he going to do? Well, I think with Daryl, he's not changing much when they're winning. Don't you agree? Well, especially on a road trip, yeah. Yeah. Um, fuck, you know what, man? I just love these Sutter road trips. <laughs> a little trip down memory lane, but I was just talking to somebody today, and I was like, 
who's who's a younger listener and like on Instagram, I was like, man, like you think this is like because everybody's feeling pretty good right now, right? You know, won four games in a row on the road is like just if you could if, if I if if you were weren't alive or like weren't a fan back in 2004 when it was like they'd be on the road and it was like it was like they opened the San Jose series like the Western Conference final yep. on the road in San Jose and we're just unbelievable so good just like so, so good on the road they couldn't win at home eh, until like late in that series i think it was the clincher was yeah that's right. right yeah they lost i think the home team lost every every game in that series until game six but man just like it's just i was having some uh some flashbacks those old sutter road games but yeah i don't think you can put zadorov in honestly like i think the next move would be because I know Daryl likes righty lefty and he likes pairs of guys. So I would say probably maybe stone in for good Branson at some point in the next little while here. Um, but I don't know who you take out for Zadorov at this point. Weird predicament. And like we said, he's what your second, third highest, highest paid <laughs> D man. Eh? Uh, I think fourth. Oh, behind no answer. Yeah. Hannafin yeah. Rast Danev. So I don't know, man. It's a really weird thing. Do you do you sock him away until somebody gets injured because you need another body there? I mean, I guess you could trade him, or but like, <laughs> please trade him. Please trade him and get Jack Eichel still. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Vegas is he's going to Vegas. That you heard? It seems to be the the front runner, which is what I've been saying all along. But whatever. Vegas is in a weird situation. They were saying they're last in the division currently. They, they're missing Pacioretty and Stone. If they do make the trade for Eichel, what do they give up for him? And Eichel's not even available for how long? Yeah, he's got to get surgery. So I don't even know if that's the, the smartest move. They need help. I don't, I don't give a shit. Let Vegas do whatever they want. Fuck, I hate Vegas. Yeah, me too. All right. So your biggest – just spend a sec on this. You, you This thing you post with the game score – um is fat tell us what this is measuring because your three big uptrenders Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, Milan Lucic, and then your top three for the game tonight itself are Anderson, Manjipani, Hannafin with Dubé and Sean Monahan right there in the top six. Boy Sean. Yeah. So game score is just it's a pretty standard metric, and that's why I kind of like to use it for like people who don't like when I rely too heavily on like um, like more advanced metrics and expected goals and stuff. So essentially just weigh, it's like a single game productivity. Um, players are given ratings using a, an algorithm that weights position on ice impact, um, actual scoring metrics, goals and assists. Uh, there is an expected goal metric in there, but there's also things like blocks, penalty differential. Uh, if you're centerman face off wins, so it just is like a weighted average of single game productivity. So it just kind of shows who who put in a really good game on any given night. Who left the, their stamp on the game? Yeah. So Rasmus Anderson was your top performer tonight. The game report for tonight: New Jersey outshoots the the Flames thirty to twenty nine, but they're chasing all game. I mean, you don't. Yeah, read there too was much probably a score games, right? Yeah. The Flames it, go it, two for three on the power play. What? Who? The Flames? Two Who scored the power play, play goal? Who? Who's scoring power play goals? Makes a big difference, man. 
New Jersey has won. So what, that's four straight games doing the special teams and you win all those games. And yo, I know the flames have been scored, uh, scored against a bit on, on the penalty kill. I think maybe a bit unlucky, but is it just me or are you loving the penalty kill? Oh, it's excellent. I mean, it was really good in our center last season. Still good. Still good. Like it's a, it's a joy. It is a joy for me. One of my pleasures in life is to watch Andrew Mangiapane kill penalties. Dude, how this Blake Coleman guy is really growing on me fast. Holy Dude, I, I am in, there's two guys I'm in love with right now and more so Coleman because like, man, he's just so good. How is he so fast? He's like sneaky fast. He doesn't look fast at all. And like, you, you know look, what? You look at a guy like Dubey or Point, you're like, wow, yeah, totally. that guy's fast. Coleman, he doesn't look fast, but he's just like way faster than everybody else. Remember at the 2018 2019 trade deadline when the Lightning did trade for him? And there was some talk the Flames were sniffing around. And I remember we were both kind of like, I don't know. Like, he's probably okay, but would you give up a first-round pick? And I remember even when the, the Lightning traded a first-round pick for him, everybody was like, geez, that's a steep price. But, man, he's just so good at hockey. It's just fun to watch him play. And we'll get into a couple of his shifts. I thought, obviously, the Backland group had a great uh, game against New York, and I thought they had some good shifts against Washington. But the other guy I'm really liking, and he's becoming like a – He's, he's reminding me of like a guy like in 2004 again, or like back in the Saturdays, who's like sneaky, just really Billy, good. Billy Neiman. Yeah, Neiman or like Sean Donovan or like uh, even like Chris Clark or Marcus Nielsen, where it's like every time they're on the ice, you know what you're getting. Totally solid. And it's Tyler Pitlick. Like he's becoming like my secret favorite. Yeah, he's kind of like the new Derek Ryan, eh? Totally. He's just like every time he's on the ice, he's just fast, physical, makes smart plays with the puck, creates turnovers. And it's been four games. I should cool it. Yeah, but, cool. geez, I that mean, line, that every line time is... I see his weird little face, he looks like he's 12. Yeah, he does. I'm like, oh, good for you, Pitlick. That line is really starting to come into form. Oh, totally. Like, they were fantastic against the Rangers. So, to finish off the game report, 47 shot attempts to New Jersey's 42. 22 scoring chances to New Jersey's 19. Four high dangers to New Jersey's three. And then you take the you take the expected goals to share forty two point five percent to their forty seven point five. So you I don't know did you expect to win them here? You I was assuming yeah the flame yeah they had it I I they it was like 70 percent or something the flames on the old deserve a win meter I I mean they, tonight you get up they early kicked their that, ass they kicked, they kicked their, their ass, ass and the score effect was kind of real like right like the Devils aren't going to be they're going to be pressing when they're down so much so. Um, yeah, they destroyed them for 47 minutes, probably. Let's go shift gears over to the, the Rangers game. This is where Coleman just fuck. Oh man. Breakout game for uh, Blake Coleman here. Scores his third and or second and third. He's got three goals now, right? Scores his second and third that, that game. Did he score two goals? No. Doesn't he only have two? Yeah. What? He had two goals. No. 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 I think Manji had two. Oh, yeah, had right. two, yeah, I don't know. It was Backlund got the other Backlund one. got the other one, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, that Rangers game, like there was a there was a pivotal moment when the Rangers score, and then the Coleman Backlund Pitlick unit comes out and puts together a Daryl Sutter dream shift that yep, because response 
Yeah, because I mean, again, Which, how many times have you seen this as a Flames oh, fan, right? Our fuck. PTSD is like as soon as New York scored, I was like, God damn it, we're probably gonna blow this. Now we're sitting on edge again. Third yeah, period. It's like shit. I don't like we gotta win it. Like, come on, guys, just like please. And then that Coleman unit comes out and puts together like one of the best shifts I've seen all season, and they score that goal. <laughs> and it was game over. And I mean that I think that's really what you're getting in with Blake Coleman, not only is he just a really good hockey player, but he's just so solid and a guy you can depend on in situations like that. And that was out- a sick backhand. How many, I don't, have we seen a backhand? Goal? No, I think Monty Pony had one last year, but that backhand goal since Dubay, have you seen a backhand shelf goal? Since yeah. Then? I was going to say Johnny has his five hole backhand, but no man, like that was, that was great. And that's like the four check, right? Like that's all that, that goal is all pit licks four check. And then an unbelievable finish by Coleman. Tanev opens the scoring. That was a beautiful. <laughs> that was sweet. Johnny Gaudreau is just dude. Dude, he's so. He good. has he has no goals, but he has all his assists are like they're not even just primary assists. They're like I'm gonna set you up so you can score, and then the yeah. guy scores. He may yeah. as well be scoring the goal himself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fuck, he is playing so well right now. Just want to give that guy a little love as usual. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing too, right? And again, I'm trying not to, get, but it's, it's we're in a good spot right now. But like, if that's what you can expect from, you know, and like, if you, if you can have that Pitlick, not even if it's Pitlick, but Coleman and Backlund seem to be the pairing they're they're liking. If oh, you can have them, job. yeah, if you can have them be what they're they're showing they can be, and be kind of like the Gord Coleman line in Tampa Bay, where they are the destroyer of worlds. It's like they're going yep. to erase everything else. Yep. Like, that's the term has been used about that. That Coleman Gord Gudra line was like, they were erasers. They nullify a lot of what the other team are trying to do. And then they score goals. And then you have Gaudreau playing the way he's playing. Dude, like, I think it's going to be gonna... such a tactical advantage for the flames this year. And I think you'll see Backlund needs to be playing with, with, talent dude yeah it, it appears that way right like it totally like because right like i mean even the first few games of the season we we're like fucking backland sucks again well we were ripping into him the last podcast but i did yeah. say he stinks for five and he's good for three so let's see maybe coleman can get him going on a on an actual consistent uh basis here and yo that backland rush goal okay well let's not let's let's do chronological all right i'm sorry it's too what? good Manji Pony scores a second goal, comes off. He, dude, this guy does everything. Dude, he's Great. unreal. Creates a turnover. He's like a diluted down version of Pavel Datsuk. Totally, that's what he is, man. Like somebody texts me is like he's like Marner but good. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good description. So he intercepts the pass, does a quick little pivot, and then the way he 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 drives the net on one foot slingshot and he's like so he's it's weirdly deceptive he's not like a he's not flashy this guy's not flashy uh-uh. he's uh meat and potatoes but deceptive meat and potatoes it's like meat and potatoes that you eat it and you're like fuck are these good why don't i eat this every meal right and then you forget about it until you have the next time like why has it been 6 months since i had that meat and potatoes it's so good so, anyways, he dings one off the uh, was it off the post? I mean, he just snipes it far side. Oh, it's a wicked shot, dude! Unbelievable. Okay, now let's fast forward. You got the okay. back. The Rangers score, get the Coleman goal. And now Backlund comes down. That's, <laughs> pat- that's the patented Backlund move. Yeah, 
You knew, he, you knew he was going to do it. Everybody you saw him knew that was happening too, eh? Yeah. Boy, he had a lot of room, eh? Holy shit. And fuck, did he snipe that? That was, just, yeah, that was, just, oh, yo, we got to quickly talk about Markstrom too, because like he saved them in that second period, like hardcore. Oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> there was like an so, eight minute stretch where he made like four or five unreal saves. Okay, here's what I want to say about Markstrom, because this is what you always say. If you have a goalie that you're going to go out and pay six mil for, yeah. he has to make those saves. And that's what we're seeing him doing to start off the season. He's only yeah. played three games, but four, four games, four games in the last two games, you've seen it in the first two games you, you didn't. And you were even saying, where are those saves? He's got to make that save on Pujarvi. He's got to make some sort of acrobatic, whatever, Yeah, you know, he's got to steal a goal away. He's doing that now. Yeah, he's doing that, which like, I've, yeah, he made that, that save. It was a rebound save. Um, shit. I don't remember who the Rangers player was, but it was incredible. Yeah. It was down and out. Fuck yeah. And the same thing against Detroit too. Oh yeah. He, he's he, again, if you, if you play, if you let the Oilers have those second periods, you probably, you probably lose. So he really, those second periods by Marshall were imperative in, in this winning streak. Markstrom was actually the first star of the game. Did you know that? In the New York game? Yeah. I'm seeing it here now on the NHL app. He was pretty damn good. He was excellent. Because, like, the Rangers had, like, what? They owe chance the Flames in terms of high danger, like, 15 to 7 in that game. So, he had to be good. And Longipani <laughs> gets his second goal of the game. Woo! To keep his tally going late in the game. But Blake Coleman is the top performer. Yeah, Blake. That was a that was a picture perfect game from Blake Coleman. Eight shots, his five on five. Goals Eight for, shots. His expected goals for Fuck me fifty seven point seven five goal and assist. Fuck that line's looking good. The overall breakdown for that game shots were thirty seven to twenty nine for Calgary. You win the special teams again. Calgary goes one for two. Crazy. Rangers go. Rangers go zero for two. Shot attempts 54 48 Calgary, scoring chances 30 26. But the Rangers had 15 high danger to their seven. Yeah, that second period was was not a great showing from the Flames. And I will say, watching a guy with the amount of skill that our Timmy Pernarin has, Oof. boy, does that make me lust after a guy like Jack. Yeah, Jack. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Again, like we were just talking about, I was like, this is all fine and good when we're winning, but it's like when we're losing like two, one, one, three, nothing games and we can't score. That's when you're going to be like, man, I wish we had a vehicle. Fuck. Let's cap off the, uh, the last three games of this road trip review. <sighs> Cause we haven't even got to Elias Lindholm yet in the game that he put on. Oh, fucking wa- oh man. Oh, man. If you were to pick one player out of these three games, and there's been some fucking studs, I would have to say the the individual yeah. performance that Elias Lindholm put together against the Capitals takes the cake. Oh, totally. You love what Coleman did against the Rangers. You love how Monge played tonight. You love what Markstrom did against the Rangers. But, I mean, that Lindholm performance against Washington, like that's a Jerome McGinley special right there, bro. Dude, that fucking goal <laughs> where he strips John Carlson of the puck, just goes full beast mode. Give me that puck, John. Strips him. Dangles. Goes bar down. I love Johnny after the game, eh? 
He's getting the, the classic, oh, could you describe Lynn Holmes' goal? Oh, yeah, did pretty much everything. You know, comes down and uh, sends the D-man back to the gym and then comes down, digs the goalie out, goes bar down. I mean, <laughs> Lynn, yeah. Holmes cra- Lynn Holmes cracking up, eh? Oh, Gio lives on. Yeah, Gio that made me on. a little sad. Yeah, that was. I think Gio scored that night too. <laughs> so fuck man was he good um geo scored and i'm still not over it by the way tonight or no the other there? night the, the kraken actually looked pretty shitty yeah i'm glad i'm happy about it i don't want anybody in our division to win games but um let's break down let's break down the caps game real quick 11 Mind o'clock. You, we were both also, we were both surprised that Vladar got to start too, right? Like, I thought for sure Markson was starting. Yeah, we did touch on it, but fuck. I love the ball. I love the set of balls on this coach, don't you? Dude I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want and however the fuck I want to do it. Well, plus, and then Francis asked him about it after the game. He's like, oh, did you what? Did you look at Vladar's stats against Washington? Last time he played, it lost 7 1. And Daryl's like, yeah, I actually told him he was starting two days ago. Have you looked at Markstrom stats against Washington yet, dweeb? <laughs> so Manji Pani opens the scoring. God, it's nice having watching a team that's actually prepared to play the game. Right? Do you remember, like, do you remember how watching the season and a half under Jeff Ward? It's just like, holy fuck, man. When did these get the first period getting outshot 20 to 2 on a regular, consistent basis? And then it was like scramble all game. It's like, well, I guess they kind of started to show up in the last five minutes of the game. I guess they kind of made a game of it. They almost tied it up. Like if that alone, right? Like I'll take great starts and then lulls in the second period all day long over getting destroyed in the first and playing catch up oh, all game. Fuck. I agree. Okay, Manji Pony scores a power play goal. This is when I think Daryl had enough of PP1. So he started going with PP2. And uh, they that was the one in tight where he buries a rebound. Yeah, I got to say, I, I mean, Coleman was great. And I'm still pretty perturbed that he's not on the second power play unit in Lucic's stead. And <laughs> my takeaway from that goal is like, shit, Lucic has earned himself another 20 games on the second power play unit. Yeah, exactly. Lindholm's first goal is a wrist shot. I don't know. I can't remember. There's been so many Lindholm goals. I can't even keep tabs. You it's where Johnny is? sets him up right in the slot, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is, where Johnny, this is where Johnny has it behind the net for like five seconds. And then you're just watching. You see Johnny and you see Lindholm. And you're like, oh, look at that. He's getting open. Oh, no. A guy came to him. He collapsed him. But then Johnny takes the puck back behind the net a little bit. Oh, Lindholm's getting open again. There is bang. Back yeah, the like such a heads-up play by Goudreau, right? Because I think – I don't think – most guys would force that to Lindholm ASAP. Johnny knew what was going on. He's like, hey, I'm going to take a minute to get set, make sure Lindholm's set, make sure everything's open up. And then, But, I mean, like the shot, too, by Lindholm, right? Like perfectly placed. This guy can snipe. Fuck. This was the moment – that I tweeted, this was the moment for me. It was just like, Johnny has a new money. It's official. <laughs> and poor Monahan sitting on the bench. Like I said, it used to be me. <laughs> used to be me. Lindholm's second goal. We already talked about it. Unbelievable. 
And then the Caps tied up in the second. I did not like the third goal specifically. You have Rasmus Anderson. He decides to play a partial two-on-one by pivoting away from Alex Ovechkin. He turns his back to him. It's like, what are you doing? Pivot towards the puck carrier, especially when that puck carrier is the greatest <laughs> goal scorer of all time. All time. Dude, just like, uh, so Lindholm and Manjapani currently sit atop the NHL goal scoring leader with Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin's going to catch Gretzky, dude. Oh, 100% he is, dude. And I I'm, can't I'm wait. I'm all for it, dude. I am cheering this guy around so hard. I fucking love this guy. I've always loved Ovi. I hope he does it so, like, I. it's one of the only players outside the Flames I'll pull for hard. But, I mean, is the dude slowing down? He's 36, and he has seven goals and 12 points in six games. Right on, right on usual pace, eh? God slow down. damn. We can laugh about it because the Flames win in overtime. Another feed from Johnny to Lindholm. Here's my thing. Oh, yeah, the Calgary Flames have, you know, two of the top scorers in the league. When has that ever happened before? One's Elias Lindholm. One's Andrew Mangiapane. Elias Lindholm plays with Johnny Gaudreau. Every single one of his goals has been a pass from Johnny Gaudreau. Every he single plays- one of his goals has been put on a platter by Johnny Gaudreau, pretty much, other than, the, other than the shorthanded goal. Yes, he's burying him, but still, a platter from Johnny Gaudreau. Power play time. Meanwhile, on the flip side, you got Andrew Mangiapane. Who's passing the puck to him? No one. <laughs> Brett Nobody. Ritchie. Brett, Brett Ritchie, bro. Brett Ritchie. He's playing PP2. He's playing 10 minutes a night. <laughs> who? Who leads the league in scoring playing bro, 10 minutes a night? Like he, he, ha- he, he has the best goals to minutes play ratio in the league by a friggin' mile, I'm sure. Oh. I'm but sure I, he's setting a fucking record right now. Like, I don't understand why he's playing so little. Like, I get Daryl likes to roll four lines and stuff, but it's very odd that he like like the the in the against uh, was it against Detroit. Who was it against? Uh, maybe it's, it's uh, the it was Washington. They played like yeah. Manjapani had like the lowest ice time among forwards, other than Richie and Dubé. It's like why. He, yeah, why? I don't get it. I mean, it's hard when you're winning. When you're on a winning streak, it's hard to you know to get too mad about it. But fuck, he's got to fix that, especially when he's scoring two goals a game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, like the forward deployment has been a bit odd for sure. Somebody made a funny. I saw that come through on Instagram where someone's like, "Oh, they're trying to reduce his minutes so they can hold off paying him." Yeah, they're, no, they're trying no to slow. Shit. They're trying to slow down his breakout season. Let's play him like. Can we start playing him five minutes less a game? Brad the like, scoring shit, too many goals. The guy's gonna score fifty goals this year. Please, Daryl, play him less. So Lindholm is the star performer in the Washington Capitals game. No shit. I think all across the board. I mean, that's the best one game performance we've seen all season. Oh, for right? sure. For sure, for sure. And I mean, I would maybe throw Coleman or uh, Coleman and Markstrom played really well against against the Rangers too. So I'll maybe throw those in there too, just because of like the the uh, yeah. importance, yeah. the importance of what Blake Coleman's line did against the Rangers, where it was like they kind of started, they were blowing it. And then he was like, no, we're not losing this game type shit. Um, but yeah, that was an incredible game from Lindholm. The game report 
looks like this 27 to 25 are the shots for Calgary. Calgary wins the special teams again. Interesting Washington. how that works out, eh? Interesting. Wasn't the last podcast we're saying you got to start winning the special teams if you want to fucking make the playoffs? Mm. They've won the special teams, they've won all four games. Mm. 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 I'm surprised you kept Washington off. They had four power plays. Then. Sure, the Daryl said this after the game. The power, the power penalty kill was good, but Washington they weren't on top of the ball. So, but partly because of Calgary. But shot attempts were 46 to 44 for the Caps. 20 to 18 were the scoring chances for the Caps. Nine to four were the high danger for the Caps, and the Caps took the expected goals share 69 to 31. Yeah, again. All of this was buttressed, propped up by a really bad second period where the Flames allowed five high danger chances and didn't get one at five on five. They shut it down pretty hard and played a Daryl Sutter third period, like super low event. And I was going to say, like, another, the first really great shift I saw from Blake Coleman was in that Capitals game. It was towards the end of the game, tie game. Like, probably if you're Daryl, it's like, just get the point. We need this point. And Coleman and Backley came out and put together like a coach's dream shift where they just like got the puck in the zone, kept it in the zone for a while, got off the ice. It was great. It was a great shift. That wraps up the game reviews. As a whole, where are you at? I think we touched on it. We spent some time on it to open it up, but close us out on this. Where are you at um, as a whole? I know we, we did say it's too early to, to get too amped up. Where are you at and who's your MVP through the first well, five? I'm, I'm like, I'm, <clears throat> I don't want to say I'm moderately surprised, but I'd way rather be in a position where we have won four straight, are four, one, and one, are second in the division, and have played like probably 65 to 70% of 100 really good hockey with, yep. some, with some work to do, as opposed to being like, even if we were four, one, and one, it's like, holy shit, we shouldn't have won any of those games. Like we just got super lucky. It's like we've seen enough good things that I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I still think there's some work to do, specifically in terms of um, you know creating. Oh no, offense. the process. This is the process. <laughs> it's already paid off. The season's turned around. And I mean, they got to get this shit figured out in like the second period where they have like totally dipped for like large stretches of time, like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I think, I think most people, I think we can be concerned with the lack of scoring outside of two guys right now, because they're not going to be Lindholm's not going to be scoring a hat trick every night. Munch Bunny's not going to be scoring two goals every night. So I think you can be a little bit concerned. It was good to see Kachuk get on the board tonight and actually look pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the one player that has kind of faded away with Lin, all, Lindholm scoring all these goals from Johnny. And I mean, you sit there and you say, well, those guys, that's a deadly combo. And then you have Kachuk in the mix. It's just a matter of time. Kachuk's been playing good hockey. He just hasn't gotten the result on the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm moderate. I'm moderately positive and I'd much rather be four one-on-one with some work to do than four one-on-one with like, holy shit. Like I can see this going off the rails real quick. So I'm just trusting Sutter. <laughs> Who's your MVP through six six games here? I mean, it has to be. I, I, I'm, I would like to say Lindholm, but I mean, like, Gaudreau has just been – I want to say Gaudreau or Coleman, really. Like, 
because Lindholm doesn't score most of those goals without just great, straight up great plays from Johnny Gaudreau. So that's like a lot of your offense. I think it's probably Mangiapane or Gaudreau. It's funny because I did a poll before tonight's game asking who's the MVP through five. And by far and away, Lindholm finished first with 65% of the votes. This is 400 votes. Johnny was, was third with 12. Mangiapane was second in 21%, 10 of 2% of the votes. But if I was to re-ask this question after six games, because I would probably have to say it was Lindholm after five, um, just a slight edge over Mangiapane, but after six games, after scoring two more goals tonight, yeah. um, for me, Mangiapane is the most valuable player on this team through six games, especially if you're looking at we touched on it. Given the role he's asked – and what he's doing inside of that role, give him a bigger role. Fuck. Yeah, you like, know? there's got to be a place for him. Like, again, I've really liked Pitlick's game, but, I mean, you want to really – you want to really have a line? You want to really have a beefed-up – that line would be one of the best in the league. And, I mean, we talked about it when Coleman was signed, like, being excited about the possibility of a backland coleman Monchpony line. Oh, man. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, you don't, to, yeah, to our detriment, I think in the last two seasons, we yeah. relied too much on two lines. And obviously, it's working currently. Yeah. We'll see if it continues to work. But I, I think Daryl's strategy here is he wants to roll three and he wants to roll four lines. And he wants to be able to, you know, have those, those top, those top nine, those three lines, top three lines all contributing. If you load up the top six, I don't know how much the third line can contribute. That's been a bit of a problem. Well, and the thing, I think you saw it tonight really pay off. And I mean, again, they kind of like the devil, like let the devils get into it a bit, but like they didn't look tired in the third period. No, right? on a back-to-back. On a back-to-back on an Eastern road trip. Like that that's the benefit of playing four lines. And, you know, like Daryl talks about conditioning, being in fucking shape pays off oh we're just gonna play fucking music at practice like remember remember like you brought right like remember you brought it up games game against dallas when lindholm has a mental breakdown how many mental breakdowns have you seen probably due to the fact that nobody on this team has been in proper shape for the past year and a half yeah no mental breakdowns in the last minute of the the last the, the last four games all right, let's close it out with this. Like we've mentioned, a lot of the goals have come from a select few players, select handful hand here. Yet to have goals, have scored a goal yet, is Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, Dylan Dubé, and Tyler Pitlick, amongst others. But if I was to ask you who's going to score the first goal, their first goal of the season first, who are you going to say it's going to be? I'll be Pitlick. No, you know Johnny's. You know Johnny's going to get one on this Eastern swing. He'll get one in Pittsburgh. Okay. the The poll is Johnny is fifty six percent, Monty twelve. Monty's still getting some love, which is good to see. Dubé sixteen, Pitlick sixteen. Who else doesn't have a goal yet? Uh, Anderson, Lewis, Anderson, Old Lewis, yeah. Anderson, Gabranson, Hannafin, Shillington, Valmacki, Richie. Zadorov, Lewis, and Godin. I think those those four that we talked about are your maybe they don't, but if you're gonna go from those four, I'm gonna go ahead and say fucking it's either Monahan or Dubé, Dubé for me. 
Fuck it, I'll go Monahan. Monahan scores. Man, I I I hope next. so, dude. Like he needs. I I don't. I feel like Sean's actually like. I don't know if he's like if he struggles with like confidence, but I feel like secondhand like pity for him. You know, it's like he had that chance against the Rangers and he couldn't bear it. I was like, fuck. Come on, Sean, please. It's like even Kelly he was like, I feel good for Monahan getting that assist there. It's like, man, the poor fucking guy, dude. He's start, he's starting to turn it around. He's starting to get some chances. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go, Sean. I just, I goal. like, I'm just like, all I right now, what I'm hoping for most is like a classic 10 game Monahan heater where it's like, is this guy going to stop scoring or what? Yep. He's a hot, he's hot or he's cool. Always been streaky. Now, the problem is he doesn't have Joe Dish. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's playing with fucking issue. Lewis and Lucic, but I, Strangely enough, to say this, but Lucic and him are starting to develop some chemistry. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. No, all no, right, they, they they've been finding each other a little bit. Yeah. All right, we got. Uh, when do we set to record again? Once they get back home, right? I think we'll do one on Friday. When do they play? They play. They don't play tomorrow. They play the. They play the uh, the, the penguins. The penguins on Thursday. Thursday. And then Philly on Saturday, so we're recording Sunday. Yeah. So we'll see how they – it's that uh, the dreaded first game after a long road trip apparently is always really hard. So we'll see how they uh, close things out in Pittsburgh, and hopefully uh, they can keep the streak alive, and then we'll see what happens when they host the Flyers on Saturday. Is that hockey in Canada? Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, it looks like it is. 